0: Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. We're now in season three of the 100 Masked Men series where I anonymously interview different men from all around the world about self-identity, expectations from society, and how that ultimately affects their self-worth. Masked man number 61 is the feeling man. He shares his perspective on why he has more female friends than male friends, mainly because he can talk about feelings. We get into the idea of competitiveness as a form of camaraderie among men and the confusion of what the role of men might be when interacting with women. Now that women are a little bit more empowered and the traditional concept of what a male role is compared to what a woman's role is, it's a little bit more difficult to have a balanced relationship when we don't really know who we are. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the show.
1: Yeah, I was born in Kent in the UK and my relationship with my parents, well, my mum was a single mum for, um, so I didn't have uh, a father figure until I was about six. Um, and it's kind of really cool getting, seeing your parents getting married, uh, being at their wedding. But it meant that I had a, like an interesting relationship of with my mum and being very connected to her and understanding like the female perspective but then also being aware that there was kind of the male side that was missing. So I think so growing up, I've really enjoyed the balance of having sort of male and female friends. And that's kind of, it's also maybe been quite acutely aware of what's female and what's kind of male um, in sort of friendships and characteristics.
0: Okay, so you saw your parents get married at six years old. So was that a new father or not a biological one, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So my mum's my biological mum and my dad's like my stepdad, if you like.
0: So what was your relationship like with your stepdad and what was your relationship like with your biological dad?
1: I felt I feel very connected to them. I think that my mum I can really see the similarities like she's sort of open, friendly, quite emotional, in a positive way. Like she feels things and she shows them. There's a directness in that that I really connect to and that I I can feel those sort of feminine characteristics if you like. I think that's fair. You know, we all have male and female characteristics and I really connect to both of them in me. I guess the challenge for my on my dad's side is I you know I love them both very much but my dad they're both not not pacifist is the right word but they're both very they're both quite introverted in a way or they my dad could be quite introverted my mum's a bit, bit more of an extra extra but they're a little, little, little bit shy and it's made me be quite assertive but there's definitely parts growing up where my you know my dad had wanted him to be more assertive and although you know being an adult is really interesting like all of the characteristics. I remember when I was younger I remember thinking oh you know I wanted him to show me like what being a man was and like he'd he'd take me out for dinner at university and um <laughs> I'd be like really really assertive like oh I'll get the bill. I'd <laughs> be like a 20 year old um because I just wanted to like exhibit what I thought being a man was and it's mm. fascinating you know now being in my 40s or over the last few years of being like wow like what I really see as being a man is being you know really in tune with the realness of who you are um you know being really connected to how you feel and just like living your you know your truth and being very honest about how you feel and just interacting the world with harmony I'm like wow like he's absolutely demonstrated what I think a man is he's just done it authentically towards he is and that, you know my job is to is to be authentically who I am so it was a really beautiful moment when I beautiful moment when I realized that and it kind of encouraged me to you know get understand my realness but growing up it was a challenge because it wasn't a stereotypical you know man's man
0: okay so I think that's interesting that maybe that's why you're so curious about the self you know because it's it, you yeah. didn't have that strong like be a man otherwise you know you'll there'll be consequences or punishment in the same sense did your other friends have a different relationship with their father where they kind of had this pressure of like an an external male persona that they had to to live up to was that something in the UK um that you experienced or your friends experienced
1: it's really interesting as you are as you were asking that it made me realize that y- you don't really know the relationship that your friends have with your parents like you just well as a man especially just there's so much you don't talk about or you know within my generation or sort of group of friends it's something that we've we've built in you know and i've had i've had some four of my best friends um are male and female that are married so. You know, I've had actually best friends with both guys, and they married women who became best friends. I was like, "Wow, you're incredible." And we have very open conversations about things like this, and the, the girl, the girl, the girl, the, one of the, the the wives of my best friend was. Thank you so much for helping um, uh, opening up my partner to to you know connecting with who he is emotionally, and I guess that's the side that I was very in tune with from you know being with my mum and having that kind of relationship, but it's it's been as a group of friends that I've got now in, in London, we're very open and it's been a very wonderful process transitioning from our 20s to being very, what we perceived as being male, like chasing women, very alpha male, very competitive, to now still being like the same people, but like the competitiveness is gone. It's like so much more realness and so much more supporting in Um, who we are and then seeing some of the guys that were so competitive and just seeing them as you know fathers and open-hearted and meeting up with each other and saying things like yeah yeah I had a really shit week this week or work's really challenging at the moment I'm really worried I might need to take a loan for the business and like you know or like you know I've got passed over for a promotion this is someone that works in the city who's would never admit stuff like that like it's been a really wonderful process it's over the last 10 years but it's so palatable to see that change it's been wonderful but i think younger than that in the 20s you don't you don't really have any context or at least i didn't about what people's relationships were with their parents it's just kind of now looking back and guessing what what that was
0: that's really interesting that you you don't ask right and i don't know did you end up going to their houses and just kind of like witnessing their relationships uh as as children growing up at all or or no
1: yeah yeah definitely we did um i mean it's interesting when one of my best friends at the time his parents ended up splitting up and you could see kind of like the fire in the relationship and but i don't know but like the, the particular person i'm thinking of his 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 dad was very creative and ran like some theater schools and he was really inspiring and i guess from not knowing my biological dad and you know my my biological mum was white and my stepdad was white um not knowing my real dad and you know there's some identity that plays into that but i guess i've been very acutely aware of kind of understanding what being male is what not being white is and it it kind of plays into a similar conversation about understanding what a man is or guess you know really it's 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 male female i guess you can sum up as you know the real thought being like you know just our place in the world you know it's it's gender's part of it but there's lots of narratives that feed into it you know it's, it's gender it's it's race it's identity it's how you feel comfortable in yourself and gender is just a, another really important lens to to just discover who you are you know and and what the stories are around race and how you sorry around race and gender and identity and what makes you you mm
0: mm-hmm. i i like that you said that there was a big competitive aspect with um with your male colleagues so I'm assuming that you didn't have that kind of competitive edge with your female friends. So were there topics that you felt more comfortable or less comfortable talking about one gender with one gender versus another?
1: So yes. Um, I kind of remember it as being, or maybe even now to some extent, but less, much more muted feelings. <laughs> you know, it, it's always been uh, looking bad on it, looking back on it. It was just a relief for me to be able to talk about exactly how I felt. And it was just so much easier to do that with women. I can remember maybe like 11, 12 having, you know, and in my teenage years, like uh, having a group of uh, girls that I really connected to that were just, it was just, you know, they're just mature. It's just really honest, easy to speak about how you felt. And I felt very seen and they felt very seen. And that was like easy. And it was like a need that I had that was met whereas there was also this kind of masculine side of me that that wasn't met in that group of friends and you know they just wouldn't have a clue how to talk about how they felt um it was very difficult for them because they didn't really have that vocabulary and perhaps that's because that their you know the the role model that they had given you know generationally how much has changed you know i think the new generation would be very different but you know when i was growing up the 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 narrative of of what being a man was is very different to what it is now and if their parents weren't exhibiting if their dad wasn't exhibiting um you know any emotional intelligence then of course the child wasn't you know we we absolutely parent parrot what our parents do um and so if that wasn't a language that they were learning then you know it just wasn't available to them and it just really showed you know there's quite a a crudeness in it looking back and you know i'm sure i exhibited that as well but it was very interesting seeing i just saw these two sides now i see those two sides about needing that connection with emotion and then also needing that connection of being like boisterous and a man and having you know Fights and, or like play fights and just the physicality of just being a man having testosterone and being, you know, in your teenage years and having massive growth spurts. It's like a, it's a very visceral, physical thing, you know, growing up, you know, as much as for women is for men, it's just exhibits, it, 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 the expression is just different because of our biology. But I think you've got to connect to that, you know, hormonally as a man and a woman and you, you just see that grow, you see that play out in different ways as we grow up, don't we? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I want to come back to that, um, idea of competition. So with, when you talk about the masculine energy of like competing or needing to accomplish something or to kind of show yourself in, in a certain way, um, and that's just hormonal or, or whatever that, um, that we are brought up to be, whether that's environment or not, what I've noticed is with with men, there's a competitive edge because you want to figure out the pecking order you need to decide like who's the who's the top dog who's the second dog and the third and the fourth you don't have that need with women because women are taking the submissive role kind of voluntarily in a, in a sense just because they just don't you're just different genders so you don't actually need to compete right so it's just apples and oranges literally versus you know which apple tastes better than the other apple but how come I mean, this is just my personal experience when I engage in romantic scenarios with a man, the competitiveness comes after the fact. So after we've kind of maybe decided what our roles are in terms of uh, on a physical level, you know, who who's kind of, you know, more assertive and who is more submissive, you know, in the bedroom maybe, but once we get to real life and we talk about career and achievements and our own self-improvement and our relationships suddenly there's like a new competitive aspect that I've experienced. And that's usually when I have a falling out with with a lot of men in my life. So has that been something that's happened to you or other men in your life? Um, Are you able to relate to that in terms of like why you suddenly get competitive with women after you've um, been more intimate with them?
1: So I feel like there are many layers to that. I think that I, I agree that men are very competitive. Um, but I also think that women are competitive as well um, between each other. It just plays out in a different way. Whereas men, it might be, or I'd say that the default would be physical. Whereas women, it's emotional, you know, and it can be can come across in quite tribal or being bitchiness or um, not letting someone fit in because they don't have, you know, the right outfit or clothes or opinion or trying to think about back to you know stories of or experience that I'd have with with sort of female friends or I don't know I, th- I think it's quite emotional whereas men it plays out more physically um it, I've got a it reminds me of a story actually an ex-girlfriend we were we were out socially and with one of her girlfriends I met her after work and we were at a bar and her girlfriend bought or like introduced like a new guy and we so the two so i met this new guy for the first time and we were kind of talking and it's a friday evening so it's a bit kind of banter and we we're kind of talking and sort of joking around and the girls are pissing themselves laughing and like uh, and after we'd sort of been like talking and joking around with each other trying to like make each other out i said what is it to my girlfriend she's like it's hilarious you're literally like animals prowling around each other trying to feel figure out who the alpha was <laughs> and i was like wow yeah it's so true it's so true and um, you know you know we were literally walking around each other like lions in a pack like trying to make each other out like who's the funniest who's the better looking where do we stand and like I had no desire to be consciously to be like to be better than him because I had a girlfriend but it's just this you know it, it, it comes down to the fact that we are animals you know and you know our, our, our job in society as and as individuals is just to evolve and that means learning how to harness harness our animal nature and 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 balance it with like social decorum or with emotional intelligence so that we can operate in society and we're not, I don't know, murdering, raping, pillaging, stealing, you know, stuff that we learn from, you know, while while we're not actually just monkeys, but you know at the same time there's a there's a phys, you know there's a physical animal side to us you know that we're trying to balance and that plays into something else that I think you said about say in the bedroom or when it's a romantic relationship between partners I remember reading something really interesting that I hadn't thought about before and it's like you know if you think about the act of sex it's like a penis and a vagina you know like there's a very there's like a, a taking that that's happening like the woman receives the man and I think that you know biologically that's uh it's naive if you don't acknowledge that and it's it's by no means to say that a man has to be dominant at all you know i've been in relationships where and you know in partners where i think it's healthier if that shifts you know i think when it comes to sex like vulnerability is the only real way you have connection and and that's about letting yourself be to come up whatever comes up and that can be like a, a dominant aspect or, or, or a submissive aspect and that can be an over- overarching character trait or that can be something that you play with within roles within the same relationship but I think it comes back to that realness about like what, what really works for you I think that competit- competitiveness can come through when you're not actually connecting to your realness and I also think that it's connected a lot. From, you know, I can only really speak as I can. I can only speak as a man and only from my experience. But I, I do wonder whether a lot of competitiveness plays into the fact that, like, men don't really know what their role is now. And again, I'm speaking through the lens of someone who's in their, in his forties. And you know, I don't necessarily feel like this, but I'm aware from having conversations—not maybe my my friends, but like friends of friends or friends like the slightly wider circle—because I feel like. I'm lucky and a lot of my friends have been very connected and done a lot of work to kind of get there. But, you know, if you think about, you know, I think feminism is awesome. I think, of course, men and women, everyone should be treated equal and, that you know, even their differences should be celebrated and we should work out how to integrate them in societies and business. It's a no-brainer. But if you look at perhaps people that have had a different upbringing to I, I, I have and their and their father figure has been very traditional or perhaps for whatever reasons, their viewpoint's very different, very, very um different. Um, They're thinking, okay, well, I don't need to provide for my partner because she, you know, was thinking about uh, a man who um wants a relationship with a female partner, relates as female. You know, I don't need to provide for her. She can work for herself. She's independent. She has... I don't I don't offer her anything. And so in that respect, a relationship has to be like, I'm good enough as I am without having to provide for someone. And that takes a lot of vulnerability and feeling good about yourself. It's much easier to be like, well, I've got a big paycheck. She needs me because I've got the big house and the car and she's going to be um, subservient to me because I'm really the boss. And I think that that isn't the narrative in a lot of Western countries. I'm, I'm, I'm probably there's some subconscious bias there. I think mm-hmm. we're moving towards, you know, in the circles I'm moving in, that that isn't the case. Thank God. But it's still a narrative that's there. You know, I've, I've still got friends that that I think that I thought were quite kind of intelligent, but then they re- they go they want women who are subservient to them, even subconsciously that you know physically might be a bit shorter or earn a bit less and that like they really struggle with going with women who are like on their level yeah. I personally see that as quite boring and I've all gone I've like I like to be challenged so if someone isn't on my level I find that very unattractive but that's kind of a nature and a nurture thing but yeah I think there's a lot lots of layers to it but I think competitiveness is a thing and there's a biology part that plays into it as well as a an upbringing and a social lens to look at it through too
0: that that actually reminds me of this story i I met this guy, and he kind of whatever he ghosted me, this happens often <laughs> and he ghosted me, and then he returned, and I just allowed because I wanted to know why he ghosted me, yeah, so he ghosted me completely, just like stopped talking to me randomly after like the first night we hooked up, and I was like, okay, cool, that happens, I guess often and he came back and he he gave me a, this huge apology, you know, just kind of saying like, hey, I apologize. I know this this must have, must have hurt you of just me ghosting. Like we made plans to hang out the next week and then I just never heard from him again. Like it, it was just so irresponsible. And he admitted to his cowardice and kind of just like, and but I want to let you know, like I'm I'm still interested in you and I still like you and I still want to do these things. And then I said, okay, so why did you ghost me? And he said... Well, I came and I met you. I see that you're smarter than me. I see that you're more successful than me. I'm here in your condo, not in mine. You clearly have enough friends. I don't I don't offer you anything. I don't have anything to offer you except for my penis. And and then we get into bed and then, you know, we I finish and you're not done yet and then, you know, you continue you know, pleasuring yourself. I was kind of just like I don't even, I don't think I can do this. I can't give you, I can't even give you that basic need. And I was like, this is clearly all of your demons that you're projecting onto me, right? But I think w- once you get to that basic level of like, yeah, you know, like you just said, penis and vagina, like that is the last most basic need. And if you can't even satisfy that on top of all the other layers, and like, who am I? You know, what's the point? And I'm like, okay, so clearly there's a lot of this like aggressive energy that you're, you're handing off to me. And I had to learn to stop allowing people to come in with that energy and try to revalidate themselves by saying like okay well you know if I can't if I can't penetrate her, I'm going to do so in in different ways and I think um, there's a lot of duality with the same concept with women you know if if they get rejected on an emotional level it might not be in a sexual level um, they equally come back with that kind of aggressive and I don't know if it's competitive to say but it is again back to the, like your own reflection of who you think you are and what you offer to someone else, right?
1: You know, I would say that although the experience was, you know, and I think we've all experienced, we, we've all experienced, or many, I've experienced people ghosting. It's like what, but I would say that it might have been. I think it's how you frame it, right? Because it might be the experience that you have. I don't, I don't think it's the way that he approached. It, I think it was very honest you know and it might have been aggressive i mean i don't know like it's aggressive energy but it was exhibited in ghosting and that's a much more positive outlook than a lot of other things you know if you think about the extremes it could be abusive behavior it could be um extreme arrogance it could be like trying to make emotionally um i don't know like emotional abuse but making you feel really small or like pointing out things that are negative about you around a dinner table there's lots of layers to it so i think actually it's kind of like a it's just a shit neutral or like a negative you know when you think about the extremes that could go and the fact that you miss it i think that's actually quite mature even though the experience is like a horrible one, horrible one to feel so it made me think of um a friend's theory when we were in our, in our 20s um one of my best friends and he said men use emotion to get sex and women use sex to get emotion. Mm. And I thought about that for and I was like, yeah, it's so true. You know, you think again the biology, especially you know, it's fascinating now being my 40s, thinking about, you know, like in your twenties, you're just so young and horny and testosterone's mental. You just want to have sex, you know, like as a as a man. And women are kind of like, mm, but in their 30s, women just want to have sex. And um, you know, and and you know, it's very often why thirty-year-old women are, are, are getting involved with twenty-year-old men. You know, it might not be talked about that much, but it happens a lot. <laughs> and it's because there's a really nice balance in like they're both horny, and um, it's it, it's really interesting. But the whole balance of like what your real, you know, that's fine in biology and it's great. But if you think about the psychology behind, you know in when you're younger like men wanting sex and like oh you know i love you you're wonderful i'm gonna take you on a date like consciously or subconsciously like you're, you're you're kind of in a selfish way you want to have sex and so you you kind of pull the levers if you're not like that awake to yourself that get you what you want and i think it is part of its animal and trying to trying to i mean it's selfish and i think but women do experience women doing the same about you know sleeping people because actually they want emotion but they you know they, they don't quite know how to tap into that honesty about how to get that from a man because you know in some respects we're speaking different languages and so they use sex to get the emotion and they get consistently disappointed when they don't get it and i think that's that's definitely been an experience that um, i noticed in my 20s a lot
0: I, I like that. I like that um, analogy of using emotion to get sex and using sex to get emotion. And whatever it is, you're using something that is not authentic in order to get something else, right? Like, So how have your relationships changed if you were going to go from emotion to get emotion or to lead with sex to get sex?
1: <laughs> yeah, still work <laughs> in progress. I think, I mean, it's really interesting, you know, like I feel in a good place now. Like I like... I think it it really comes back to realness, but it's really hard to uh, tap into your realness because we're all, you know, great PR machines, even without realizing it. You know, the words we speak. I'm just thinking about this very consciously when I'm speaking into a microphone, thinking about God, how much am I PRing myself? You know, <laughs> even though it's anonymous. I think that what I've realized is that it's just to be honest, right? And it's fine just to want sex. That's okay. Like, personally, I know that I'm, you know, ready for intimacy, but the type of relationship I want, like, doesn't happen, you know, you don't find that girl around every corner or every bar or every coffee shop. And, that you know, you just need to be patient. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with having sex if you approach it in, like, an open, honest, vulnerable way. Like, it's hard sometimes because it's, I don't know, for me, like... It's much easier to play a role and to have an adventure and, uh, you know, being a bit of a party. And that's fun, but it doesn't quite give me what I really need. So I'm kind of learning, you know, I've I've kind of learned to, you know, you can still have fun and have, I don't know, you you can have like an amazing one-night stand and be really connected and honest and fun and vulnerable if you want to be or play a role. And it just be awesome because you're connected. And then you can have another one-night stand which is um as a friend calls it is basically mutual masturbation mm-hmm. where you're not connected at all you kind of think you want something but it's not actually giving you what you need and again like you know no judgment on it to myself or anyone else that does but like you, i think the journey is to understand you know um, to use a phrase that i've been using in friendship groups recently you know follow the aliveness you know like what actually makes you feel alive and Um, really connect to what that feeling is and you know if you've got that repeat behavior and that you're sleeping around a lot and it's not actually giving what you need then try something different you know it's like a science experiment in a a, a positive way It it sounds really analytical but if you're trying something and it's not giving you what you need try something else you know I think that's a really healthy way to look at life you know if you if you're really depressed with 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 you know smoking a lot or drinking or, or you know taking substances then we'll just try what not doing that feels like or you know if something feels difficult not to do what's the energy behind that or if something's triggering like what's the energy why is something why is something triggering what's behind that and that can be a really nice way to help you to get out i think about like loops that we get into and you know i definitely get into them with different things sometimes and it's nice to challenge yourself, like, I don't know, like going on a date and not drinking or not dating for a couple of months, you know, because actually you're a bit heartbroken. I did that for six months. It was really liberating. And then when I connected to someone, I was like, wow, like I really wanted to hang out with you. And it was, it was much different. Whereas in my 20s, I kind of won this connection, but just ended up, you know, sleeping around more or getting to relationships when I wasn't quite connected. But it's nice. I don't, I don't judge myself now. And I think it's just being comfortable with where you're at. And, you know, like life's so short. I think if we just allow ourselves to be comfortable with where we're at, that's pretty awesome. And just accept the fact that we're never perfect, but just feel into what we need at any time. Um, That feels, you know, quite important. It's just a much happier place to live rather than thinking we're going to get the perfect relationship every time Um, because it's it's not realistic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's really interesting because out of all these interviews that I have, most of the time – a lot of the sentiment is, you know, I feel really lonely. I I just, you know, wish I could find that that love for me. and And that's, you know, encapsulated in this dream woman, this perfect person. And you have created this idea of whatever this perfect woman is. I mean, I've created it too. I've created this like concept of what I believe is like the perfect man. Yeah, so this has been recent for me when I have basically targeted specific types of guys. And I'm like I like their look, I like what they do, all of these things, but there's something that's missing, like a a soul connection that's kind of missing a little bit there. In the sense that like everything is right, but um I think I'm only attaching myself to what I wanted this person to look like in the material world. If that makes any sense, like I I wanted this person to be a reflection of all the things that I work for. Someone that is like a male feminist, someone that's tall, dark and handsome, you know, like I wanted this look and I, it's really heartbreaking to realize that that's, that's not going to be the perfect man for me. And then also noticing like, it's hard to even find a connection where you can hold a conversation with someone in a very authentic way. And then it's also really heartbreaking to be like, did I ever really have these connect- connections with everyone else that I had previous intimate relationships with? So for me, as I continue with this awareness of myself, it's, it's very sad to me to, to have these learnings and, and, and break these bubbles, you know, of, of thought because ignorance is bliss, right? So what has it been like for you as you engage with new people in your life today, whether those are platonic relationships or intimate relationships?
1: I'd reframe it a, a bit because you, you mentioned about it being a heartbreaking experience. And although I, I I understand that, I also think that there's something wonderful in it. Like it reminds me a bit of, you know, the, the matrix analogy, where you take like the red pill and the blue pill and ign- you're right, ignorance is bliss. But once you, you realise the real need that you have is actually an opening. And at first it's kind of like, oh my goodness, but... It, it it does open you to really get what you really need and kind of build from the ground up. It's it's hard, you know, and I think not a lot of people do the work. And what I've realised is, I had a similar thing of being like, oh my goodness, like that's the framework around the relationship that I want now becomes, you know, it, it's like right. So you know, they've got to be on, you know, like a bit of a spiritual journey, and then you playfulness, and they've got to be quite self connected. It was like the pool gets smaller and smaller. and my my, i've got one of my best friends is a girl and she's like yeah well you should be grateful because there's a lot more women doing the work than men (laughs) 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 um so the way i look at it is it's a feeling so i don't have a type oh i I don't know like you, you do you have people you're physically attracted to but i'm much better at getting to a feeling so it's like i know the feeling that i want from someone Someone said said something really lovely to me about meeting the right partner is like you've known them forever or like it's a coming home feeling. And that's lovely. Like you meet some people and it's just so effortless so quickly. And it doesn't mean there's not a spark or energy or uncertainty, but there's a sense of like, wow, like, I mean, we've all, if we're lucky, we've experienced it. There's like a realness and it's like, wow, that's really compelling. And I think the more we get into the feeling, the more we, Cast away the idea about a look or a type, you know. And if I think back about i've I've done it myself, where I, you know, I didn't feel great about myself, and I wanted to validate myself, and I sort of dated a model, and it, you know, part of that was a lot of validation because I didn't feel whole inside, you know. And I think the more whole we feel inside, you know, you don't have those thoughts about they need to do this, this, and this because you are whole inside. Like they don't need to object to, they don't need to sum up their characteristics because you're completely comfortable with like what what that feeling is inside you know so for me it would be i don't know they don't have to be incredibly beautiful because there's a part of me that doesn't feel beautiful or like accepted by society they don't need to i don't know be like I don't know, like incredibly successful, I live a really free life because you know I exhibit those qualities, and I think it kind of, although there can be things that you enjoy and they're kind of like needs, you, you're not looking for someone else to to fill you um, or to fulfil you. There's a there's a really great article, yeah, Anna De Boton, and it's a New York Times article which is the best, most read article ever, or like in the you know, in in the year for uh, New York Times, and it was why you will marry the wrong partner. <laughs> <laughs> and it just goes to show that it's just uh you know it's a real thing in society you know and it comes down to codependence i was speaking to a therapist about it and she was saying you know effectively if you haven't gone through therapy you're going to have a codependent relationship and i was like oh you know no but you know you can be kind of lucky when those connected people just like nope <laughs> wow. you know it's like we we all look for other people to complete us you know it's like what's that? Is that jerry Maguire? you complete me codependent mate you're in the wrong relationship um it shouldn't be like that they shouldn't complete you you should want to go on a beautiful life journey with them but like your happiness shouldn't be dependent on them it's not to say you can't have amazing adventures together but you have a really deep soul connection but if you're looking for them to fulfill something in you like you need to spend more time in filling yourself up you know and it's it's hard i'm not saying i'm there but i've learnt when i'm looking for something in a partner that i'm not feeling myself and if i look back at my relationships you really get the partner I have found that you really connect with the partners at the same level as you. So I had a great relationship with someone, but she was really working through some things and I wanted to help fix her because really I don't want to fix myself. And it took three years to figure that out. And when we did, it was, you know, it was beautiful. And then it became quite toxic at the end, really toxic at the end. And we're good friends now, but it took a lot of work to get through that and retain a friendship. Um, And neither of us think we'll be able to at one point. And then... You know, after that, I, you know, months later, I, I, I was in a really good place where I was like, I felt, I understood what I needed and I met someone and she was playful and light. and We could be real with each other and we were, you know, physically attracted and there was a soulful connection. It was absolute bliss and it was like, wow, like I felt happy and I met someone that was really happy, you know, and I think that whenever I'm like, oh, i you know, because I'm in a space where I could definitely meet someone, but every when i'm not meeting them i just think well okay well this is the time i get to focus on being more me and you know loving myself more you know staying somewhere nice or looking after your home where you kind of have a honeymoon for yourself and you build up that because i know that you know rather than going for the angsty girl, if there's two girls in a bar, I'm going to go with one that like looks equally as awesome, but has got his shit together and have like something that's much more special. Whereas I think in the past, I would have gone to one that kind of, well, you, you know, you kind of resonate with one at the same vibration of you who might not be quite on the same level. So I know even if it's tough, I think it's just good to do the work and you know, no one's perfect. I'm definitely not, but it encourages me to put the work into filling myself up. So that, um, you know, you hold the conversation with like Miss Universe as opposed to like, I don't know, Miss, uh, I was going to say Down Under, but that sounds really disparaging to my Australian (laughs) friends. But you know what I mean?
0: That's so interesting. What is, what is that type of self-care for you? Because I think that is something that I would assume in society is a hard thing for men to wrap their head around. It's a lot easier for women to because, you know, there's beauty treatments, there's, you know, you can watch rom coms forever. You know, you could do whatever kind of self love things as a way to decompress, you know. But what is what is that in a in a male perspective that doesn't sound, you know, weak or girly or, you know, non masculine in any sense?
1: Well, I can speak from my perspective. I think the key the really, I think the key to being a man is not worrying about the stereotypes. So, you know if I have a pedicure if I want to. Great. I have a massage. I love them. There is a great quote. I think it's by Ronnie Wood, and some, a friend of mine actually. I think it was a friend of mine, or maybe it was a story from a friend of mine who asked him, like, "Why are you not dead? Like after the drugs and the amount you party? Like, why are you still alive?" i he, wow, still alive, and he said, "Well, I spend as much money looking after myself as I do fucking myself up." <laughs> and i think that's a great analogy it's like a man's man you know a rock star you know just look after yourself You know, have some balance so it's not having judgment on yourself and not saying everyone should party as hard as he does and try and you know offset it but you know if you're working really hard have some time off you know like if you're and i've been terrible at that because i've got a very strong work ethic but i'm getting much better also like the words that you use i think A lot of us, we say things like, oh, I'm awful at doing that. I'm terrible. Um, Oh, that was a really bad thing for me. to like, they're really negative words. And I think words have a lot of power. Um, So thinking about the words that we use is important. Um, And it's hard. I think you very, it's very hard to listen to yourself and see what you do. I don't know. It's like, it's like treating yourself like you would treat your perfect lover is a really good place to start. So if you really want to, I know I'm not going to go on that holiday because I wait till I'm in a relationship, which I've done before. It's like, actually, no, like I have going to have an intimate relationship with myself and I want to go on that holiday now. And that's OK. Or um, I'm going to go to that restaurant or, you know, I'm going to choose friends that are actually really supportive of who I am. So I think it's it's a real gamut of things in life. And I think for all of us, we learn different tools that makes us look after ourselves you know i love dancing so i'm going to go out and dance and find like a great party and that's a great way of like using my energy positively um you know men have a lot of testosterone or 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 like energy and i think you know i do yoga and that's been really powerful for me but i'm also a man i've got loads of energy and so dancing is a great way to use that and i think learning who you are is really important and then from that you can figure out the tools that you need as the individual i think that's the danger as well it's like a diet it's like oh this diet will save your life well you know really like you don't is it framed around your metabolism and your you know who what you actually your body needs you know your body type you know it's kind of clickbait and it's the same for well-being you know things work for different people and i think our job as an individual isn't just to think about men should do this women should do this or uh, you know it's it's about thinking you know uh, what do i need independent of what tabloids or headlines or you know even a podcast say i think the invitation is to really look at yourself and figure out what do i need now and understand what your friend of mine says you know what's your yes what's your no and what's your maybe and it's a nice way to navigate what works for you you know what what feels right for me now what doesn't and what am i not sure about And i'm going to give it a go and i think the more we do that the more we get to fine tune what works for us Um, especially because we change so much as we grow. You know, what's right now for me might be completely different to yesterday. It's like waking up fresh and having that um, insight to just be curious about what you need.
0: Yeah, I like that. And it's interesting how you say that you're always going to feel differently in a different time of your life. And for a while, I was was battling myself on self-compassion, which is kind of ironic in the sense that I just would beat myself up for not giving myself enough compassion and, and loving myself and whatever that context of what love means. And I remember saying this really horrible thing to my mom before I left to Mexico. Um, and I said to her, the way that you are loving me is hurting me. Mm -hmm. And I, I can imagine how crushing that was because I said that to myself the other day when I was realizing like, oh, I, I keep like cracking the the whip at myself saying, man, love yourself better, do it better. And I'm like, that is just like someone shoving broccoli down your throat saying, it's good for you. Do it. Right. It's not, it's not compassionate. And I, and I realized that and I started to, to change that I'm on a personal level with myself as I've had a lot of time with myself. But now that I'm kind of here in Oaxaca city, uh, it's a little bit more populated. It's more engaging. There's more people around. I'm realizing my my fears of relationships, of holding relationships, of making relationships, having those connections and and getting deeper. And I'm now realizing that I might've found some better, some more self-compassion for myself and some more self-love, but what I don't have is trust. And if, if I can't trust other people for whatever aspect, I might not trust them, I might not trust their word, that must mean that I don't trust my word on a lot of things. So if I can't even trust like any decision that I make, how do I know that other people have have good intentions either? And like you're saying now where it's like, you know, what's the best decision for you? And I think that's something that I'm trying to start to create this relationship with myself. So now that you're here in Oaxaca, you know, I know you've been in Mazunte for a bit as well throughout your journey here and living in Mexico. What have, have you been going through in your journey? Um, both for yourself and then also in in a relationship standpoint.
1: So I think about um, like evolution, like, like kind of growing as a person is being like one of the greatest things that you can do. You don't want to like um, blindly jump off a cliff because that's the healthy because it puts yourself in risk. But at the same time, you just, you, you don't want to like strap yourself into a seat and never, and never move. And, the, the goal is to just to lean into the discomfort, right? Uh, or just like just lean into the uncertainty as a way to just just test the you know, test the water, just to test how you mm-hmm. feel. So if if it if it's trust, you know, just just try it a little bit and see how it mm-hmm. feels and just try and do it more in different ways. Or um I think for me I've been thinking it more about like what's external, what's internal mm-hmm. and I think in the past I thought a lot about you know what other people could give me and what they're not giving me whereas now I'm thinking about what is it in myself that I need to to grow and I think to be honest it just all comes back to self-love you know and I feel in a good place but um since being here I feel like I've doubled down on loving myself and there's a few different reasons for that um it's it's partly from realizing I had my work ethic in London was really intense and that being able to actually love myself more by giving myself some headspace was a way that allowed to free myself up and to get more play in my life because I was working and I had great friendships, but I didn't really have any space for me. So it's been a real journey of learning how I need to love myself. I think that's been the thing. It's not been – the thing's been very clear to me. It's about loving myself because I see that as the unlock to everything, like partnerships, happiness, play, success and whatever – you know, I, I deem success as being, you know, feeling, you know, joyful and having building the resilience to be able to manage difficult situations. You know, it's not about happiness all the time because that's unsustainable, but it's about being able to manage and deal with things when they're really difficult and sort of let them go as well as things when they're amazing and let them go because it's, you know, you can't cling on to those emotions. And I think if you fill yourself up and you're feeling whole, then you'll put yourself in a position to do that. So... And, and in order to do that, I think it's sort of knowing yourself and loving yourself and just sort of building up that resilience, you know, and anything that you're, or that I've been struggling with, just sort of lean into it. So if, you know, it's been easier to me in the past to have like, um, I don't know, like a carefree party, uh, like sort of partner and um, like a shorter relationship because it's, you know, I'm putting a barrier up. Then what does it feel like if I, you know, go for the person that might be a bit harder work but might be a bit more rewarding and, you know, just sort of look out for that type of partnership and it might mean that I'm not, you know, having as much sex, but it might mean that I'm actually... know giving myself what i need and keeping that energy inside so that i've got the right energy when i kind of meet someone that actually i can potentially go a bit deeper with and get a bit more of a rewarding thing from and i think you know the discomfort is a bit less sexual gratification but the you know which is discomfort and some you know because you're not submitting to your senses but then the the you know as much not say so completely. Um but but then you know the positive is that you know you're you're you know you're expanding your ability to to live, you know, and being able to manage dealing with stuff that's difficult about like, oh okay, like that would have been kind of interesting, but I know it wouldn't quite give me what I needed. But you know, you're the more you're able to sit with yourself at the difficult things, it's a scale, isn't it? Like if you it's like um antidepressants, if um you mute the negative side you mute the amount you can feel positive so if you're able to lean into sitting with yourself and the uncomfortable feelings you're building up your resilience so that the when you have a positive experience it can be so much more rewarding and joyful and passionate and awesome and sensual from a relationship perspective because you've sat with the difficult stuff and if you don't then to circle back then that's when you could potentially have i don't know anything from abusive behavior to ghosting to because you haven't connected those dots you know and i think it's really hard to do that and it's even well that that's unfair but from a male perspective it's hard to do that because i'm not woman i don't know how hard or easy it is i know that women are expressing their emotions better than men do so it feels easier but from a male perspective when there's no role model that that's talking about their emotions well then i can of course you can understand why more women are doing the work than men you know of course you can understand why there's some very you know there's more ghosting that happens or disconnected, or why like i don't know um you know Let's have a scenario, right? There's a there's a relationship between a friends, guy and a girl. They split up. The guy just gets fucked up for three weeks, <laughs> and the girl starts doing more yoga, speaking to her friends, having dinner parties, and um, like gets a new haircut and starts eating more green juice. Like, I can think of a lot of scenarios. That's a stereotype of, um, and unfortunately, there's fewer where the guy's like, Do you know what? I'm just not going to drink for a couple of months. Like, it does happen, but it's much. I mean, I can think of a lot example of the first example and a lot fewer of the second example, of the latter example, which is unfortunate.
0: So would, would you say that it's mainly a representation thing that kind of puts you out of practice, as you know, speaking as a, as a man?
1: I'd say that I think it's um, a lot of the things we're talking about, about men not knowing, men not having a role model um, still the, 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 you know, if you, you know, if you, if you look at the you look at the male suicide rate, it's, it's so high. Um, it's the biggest killer in, in men in like their, their forties, fifties, I think, or definitely forties. Um, there's not the vocabulary or the understanding yet to really understand what well being is. And, you know, even in, I don't know, like even like living in East London, it's good. But like, if you think of that as in the UK as poorly being, um, you know creative culture and access to a lot of international you know there there's a lot of input there for them to, to for people in that in London to be very in touch with who they are and it's it's still a difficult conversation with a lot of people you may expand that out to places in the country or the world where um I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that london's the epicenter but from my experience that compared to other parts of the country where i grew up and you, you know i don't know i go back to where i grew up and there's still sexist um, posters in the toilet and you know casual racism there are a few generations behind you think you look at the kids you like. Mm, look at their kids kids you're like okay they're going to be all right um but it just things move faster in a city from my experience that's why i like being in them but there's a lot of work to be done you know i think i have lots it the wrong i mean even think about some of the conversations that happen in the media it just feels like it's not that progressive mm. compared to how say some of my friends would would talk and it still feels like quite a blunt conversation yeah, i don't know there's good stuff that's happening really good really good stuff like school of life is a great example um but I wouldn't say that's mainstream yet. And I think that's one of the reasons why there's not a mainstream like evolution of yet about um looking after yourself, well being and, I, and I mean, it benefits it's everyone, right? It benefits the man, it benefits relationships and benefits society, you know.
0: Yeah. And I think um we're really goal oriented and outcome based. And a lot of this well being stuff doesn't really translate to that. It's more of a maintenance, you know, it it, The goal is in the doing, you know, it's not it's on the same sense where you like achieve enlightenment and get a card and a badge and, you know, all of those aspects of it. So I think that's why it's harder for people to grasp it, to put money into it, invest your time into it. You know, it's just not material enough.
1: I I think it's an education thing, though, because if you look at the hard numbers, Deloitte did a study and every one pound in well-being gets a five pound return from a business perspective. Like that's a fact. If you look at um there's another it's a company called Friday Pulse, and they did some great they did a TED talk on it. Like there's a whole science around the economics of wellbeing and how it directly impacts financial performance, for example. It's just that it's seen as a soft skill, you know. It's the same reason why like it's like gender equality. It's like, oh you know, if a woman's not gonna perform a few, you, you know, De- you know a few days a month cause she's on her period you know she's just going to be a lesser employee and it it wouldn't be talked about like that but it's like this just backward narrative but what it doesn't you know it's almost done it i think it comes maybe it's the industrial revolution where it's like a numbers game about clocking in, clocking out hours performance yeah. but they're different skills if you think about relatability and the skills that they have like women are generally that's a gen- it's a generalization i've got to be i've got to be careful but In my experience, women are much better at building relationships because of the, you know, the biology of why community is so important, you know, tribally and from an animal instinct of looking up. There's an amazing quality that they're just better than a lot of men. But just because we work differently and our bodies are different, it doesn't mean it's a soft skill or hard skill. Again, it's like the language that we use, you know. It's very passive-aggressive, soft skill, hard skill. It's like good or bad. Again, it's just a narrative thing that we're just slowly learning how to educate ourselves. I think the, the Guardian newspaper did, did a good job about um, the words we use when it came to economy, I think, uh, and the environment. If something about, they were talking about environmentally, um, I don't know, something about like climate control or something and they change it to like climate emergency or like uh and it was just about the climate crisis to say because it made it passive as opposed to like realism and I think the words we use to to talk about things are really important
0: yeah I know and like I mean I do a lot of stuff on on sexual assault and when they say like an incident you know it's yeah. like it's not an incident you know it's not an accident or like a, an occurrence you know so yeah vocabulary is a, is a huge thing um is it normalizes things yeah it normalizes it for sure um
1: or like make or, or makes things like passive and you know and i think that's that's dangerous
0: yeah because then you can just slide by and and not not care about it not prioritize it and not um feel it um to the level that it is and the people that you know are involved in that or experience it you know then they don't get that validation you know and then the, they kind of miss out on everything that that means um, to them and their experience and the reality of it and the realness. So I wanted to to wrap up with a couple of questions. In our conversation today, was there anything that jumped out to you that you either forgot about, an insight you, that uh, that popped up into your head, anything throughout uh, today's conversation?
1: I really enjoyed it. I think my overarching thought is it's it's a really fascinating conversation to think about gender and the interaction of how we operate but i think that the what what is becoming increasingly clear to me is it's about less about the labels about gender and more about like who you know figuring out who you are and trying to understand that and being less governed by what other people think and more governed by what you understand you really need and that takes a bit of a process of self-love because you've got to let go of like all the external validation, what you should be, what a man should be, what I should do in this social context. The more about who, am you know, who am I? Like, what do I really need to do? How do I operate in the world in a way that's wholehearted and live in harmony with other people in a way that's like joyful and playful and fun and like really authentically me? And I think... It might be kind of like another step. I think that's the the real thing we need to ask ourselves because it takes it away from the labeling of men should do this, women should do this, you know? And I think the labeling can be limiting and force us into stereotypes which aren't helpful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And my last question to you is, out of all the topics that we spoke about today, what jumped out to you that you would like to invite another man to speak on about further in another episode on the show?
1: Oh, good question. I think I'm interested in other men's opinion about what they think their role is. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting discussion. I think for me, it comes back to just understanding who you are, but I'm, you know, as an individual, but I'm, I'm interested in the men, other men's narrative of like how they see their role in society.
0: I'm very interested in the idea of what the role of men is and whether that confusion is a factor in the search of self identity. What are your thoughts? And to unpack the idea of male to male competitiveness, the next episode shows another perspective on what that male allyship dance is like. Make sure to subscribe, and if you'd like to be on the show or know someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of The Hundred Masked Men.